This is the Black and Blue Report presented by SeatGeek. Here are your hosts, Caroline Gonzalez and Ashley Amos. Welcome, welcome to another Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report. I'm Caroline Gonzalez. I'm Ashley Amos. Ashley, I think we have the best day to do the podcast. I mean, Daniel has Monday, Sean has Wednesday, but I think Friday is definitely the best day to be able to do this podcast. Well, everyone loves Fridays and yeah. Mondays aren't exactly everyone's favorite. So I guess I would totally agree with that. So we have an exciting day for everyone today. We have Kay Adams from Good Morning Football. She's a recurring guest. We love Kay, love us some Kay. And of course, she loves her some So we're excited to have her on the show today. And then we have the color analyst from Fox Sports New Orleans, David Wesley, coming on the show to talk a little Pelicans, which was just a shootout game um, on Wednesday night, but exciting game to watch nevertheless. Ashley, uh, for Sunday, um, excited to go to the game, but I think my favorite part, and I realized this last weekend, was my pregame drive to the Superdome. I was jamming out. I made like a whole playlist before I got out of bed, and I was so excited. I just got ready really fast so I could listen to my playlist. Do you have like a few songs that you listen to on the way to the Dome? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you have to go with the classics. Uh, we Ready, you mm-hmm. know, that one just gets, that just gets you in your bones, you know what I mean? Like it just gets you pumped, obviously. Stand up and get crunk. Although I don't listen to that one as much just because it's kind of overplayed at yeah. this point. Obviously this this year, Choppa style. I mean, I, I think that one gets you pretty pumped up. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, when I played sports, I always had a, uh, a regiment that I had to listen to like certain songs. And the, my one song that was my go-to song was Life in the Fast Lane by the Eagles. Nice. Always had to listen to that. It was like my ritual. So I'll, I'll even throw in some classic rock here and there. But pretty much if it's probably mostly rap, you know, anything that's going to get me super hyped, right. maybe some Drake, Little Wayne for sure. Um, but yeah. It's so funny because I was thinking, I was like, people must think I look like a complete idiot because I'm in my car and I'm just banging my head and I'm doing these stupid dance moves. But then I was like, listen, we're in New Orleans, so everyone knows that there's a Saints game today. Even if they look at you, they know you're probably excited for the Saints game. So, it, you know, it's allowed. Listen, I think that one thing I was talking to my parents about the other day was that you know, the New Orleans Saints isn't just a team that plays happens to play in New Orleans. It's all of us, you know, it's in our blood, you know, it's in the makeup of their DNA. My dad said he was at the game the other day and um, on a big fourth down stop or third down stop, the guy next to him turns and goes, that was us, that was us. And so I feel like when these Saints fans are coming to the game, they feel like they're suiting up and like they're about to go out there and Mm -hmm. they're about to be a factor, especially these home games, uh, that they're about to go be a factor to help the Saints uh, pull off the victory. And so I think that's what makes this community so great. You have people going to church and they're in their Drew Brees jerseys and that's totally okay. And you have the, you know, the priest saying who dat and Mm -hmm. God bless them boys at the end of it. And I think that's what makes this community they're so invested and it's just a part of who you are as a New Orleanian. And that's what I love about this city. And that's what I love about this team. And so I think you'll see on Sunday, like 
this whole week, everything's already been hyped up. People mm-hmm. are already hyped up. I, there's not one person out there who's able to sit at their desk and be not thinking about this Sunday. And so I think we're all just kind of ready to get there and um, see what happens. But I'm so, so glad this game's in the Dome. A few things I want to dissect from what you just said, because obviously we know you run deep and your family and your ties run deep in New Orleans. But uh, I want to say, was it Tuesday night? You went to the Justin Timberlake concert with mm-hmm. your mom um, and he led the crowd in a little hoodat chant. And I think that's the coolest part. It's even these guys that come in and these people that come in from out of town, they can just tell and you feel this like special like vibe and it's like contagious you just like want to catch the fever and so it was really cool I think Chapa style opened for him with the DJ and then um which was a cool New Orleans twist and then uh Justin came out and he led the he didn't really know how to do the Houdache and he only did it one time and the crowd kept doing it three times because that's you know what they usually do but um he did that and then at his drink you away song which I don't know if you're familiar with that song um great song if you haven't listened to it, but uh, he uh, cheers to New Orleans and to the Saints so in hopes that they make the Super Bowl. So that was a really cool moment, and that just goes to show you that, I mean, it's just people want to be a part of this. Mm-hmm. like, and, and people are jumping on the bandwagon, and listen, I'm okay with that. Right. You know yeah, what? Who cares? Like, at this point, jump on, right. come on out, down, yeah. you know, especially if you are new and like have never been a Saints fan or any type of NFL team like come on we'll we'll take you in we'll we'll feed you some gumbo we'll we'll make you know we'll share our drinks with you and come on over and party with us exactly it's just on par for course with New Orleans like it doesn't matter if you're a bandwagon it doesn't matter if you're new we're going to welcome you in as if you're family and we're going to make you feel that connection uh, a lot of ties to music this week the uh, Saints announced earlier this week who the musical lineup was for this weekend it'll be cheap trick in champion square pregame a few hours before the game which that'll definitely get the party started uh jimmy buffett will have the will sing the national anthem and then of course yin yang twins and chapa style at halftime which is just going to be i think it's going to get every single person out of their seats you're not going to be able to go get food it's going to get everyone out of their seats and get them excited i was listening to wwl this morning on my way to work and uh i thought it was so funny because someone had called in and said the goal for the decibel uh, Mark was to like break the the barrier for like what an airplane sounds like, uh-huh. uh, and you know, it's like a, like this elite sound. I'm of course botching it for everybody who actually knows what I'm talking about <laughs> out there. Um, but they want to do it one step further and beat that. I think it was Arrowhead who holds the record for huh. like loudest, and so you know of course now there's been issued a statement out there, and you know Saints fans are already motivated, but you give them a little bit more motivations, i.e. the Atlanta mayor talking about anybody but the Saints to the Super Bowl you don't think that those fans that they take it personally Mm -hmm. like they take it very personally and so I am so excited to see what the atmosphere is like in the dome you know I happened to be there for the last time we went to the uh we were in the NFC championship when Garrett Hartley kicked that field goal I was there of course as a fan with my family and uh that was loud then and but that moment it was you know such an emotional moment and I think this one will still hold that emotional, sentimental value, but in a different way. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm just... 
gosh, just like thinking about it gives me butterflies and goosebumps <laughs> and I'm just so ready for Sunday. Yeah. Can you, I mean, tell us about your experience with the last NFC championship game. I mean, you were in the Superdome in 2009 for that NFC championship game, which of course every single Saints fan remembers. So can you just tell us a little bit about your experience? Yeah. You know, it was, um, a crazy day. It was fun. I was, I was sat in my seats with my parents, my my mom and dad, lifelong Saints fans as well. Uh, this is gonna like age me or announce my age, I guess, <laughs> to the rest of the world. But I was a freshman in college. Um, I had just come down to New Orleans, uh, or you know, to Louisiana to go to LSU, and I remember it, it was just like it's almost like a dream, you know, it's just this surreal. And especially for people who were in the city during Katrina and went through that time and the rebuilding process, you know, when you got to that moment and I remember our seats were right by, uh, the field goal that post where Garrett Hart Hartley uh, kicked it through. Mm -hmm. So we were right on that end. And I just remember it going through and just this like, <sighs> like this right. like sigh of relief we were all crying uh, gosh I'm tearing up just thinking about it now but it was just it was like we've done it like mm -hmm. we're not we're not losers anymore you know like we're not these people that it, it was almost like everybody had counted us out like this entire city that it was you know the city was done and mm -hmm. people said it would never come back it would never be what it was after Katrina the Saints you know went through their time and you know it would never be the Saints would never be a championship winning team and then it just all at once like there's just like this hope and this feeling that like we've done it like mm -hmm. we are champions we're going to the Super Bowl like no one can hold us back and I just Oh, gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited now to have the rare opportunity experience as someone on staff. And um, I just really can't wait. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can't see in studio, but Ashley really did start tearing up. <laughs> we have an emotional episode on this Friday uh, edition of the Black and Blue Report. But uh, of course, we understand the emotion. But there has to be um, another element of emotion going into this weekend because of Mr. Benson. And I think that's something that I don't want to say people have overlooked, but um, it has to be on every Saints player. And, you know, all of Saints fans mind going into this game is that uh, he's had a huge impact on this team and this organization obviously and um I think he definitely has to be top of mind when you're going into this weekend absolutely and you know part of you wishes of course that he was here to mm -hmm. see this and be a part of this and um but it also just speaks as a testament to his legacy and he has left this team in such good hands you know and that's credit to Mrs. Benson and her rookie season to take over in two teams not mm -hmm. just one and um like, wow, that's not an easy, easy task, but I think she's done it with poise and grace. And I think everybody there on Sunday will be on the sidelines, will be thinking about him and what he's meant to this city and what he's meant to this franchise. And hopefully we get a little bit of Benson magic up there from above to help us kind of push it through to get to the big game. But um, definitely he will be in our thoughts for sure on Sunday. Absolutely. Well, Ashley, without further ado, let's go ahead and talk to our guest, our Saints guest for this week, Kay Adams. Kay, we're thrilled to have you on the show today. But one thing I have to ask before we start, because our fans, our listeners want to know, are you going to be in the Superdome for the game on Sunday? Oh, I hope so. I honestly, and it's Friday. I have not yet decided. I'd love to get down there. 
uh, I have to go to Houston next week and then to Atlanta. So Oof. I would love, love, love to get down there. I'm already seeing that there's serious partying going down yep. already at like 10 in the morning. Absolutely. We have our huge uh, Hancock-Whitney pep rally going on in the city. It's it's absolutely insane. But we'll just put you down as day-to-day for right now because we don't know if you'll yeah. be here. I do. I, I dig it. Okay, a huge storyline going into today's game is C.J. C. Anderson and Todd Gurley and just how effective they have been for this Rams defense. We all know that defensive tackle Sheldon Rankins went down early in the game last week, mm-hmm. and he's been a huge factor for this number 2 Saints run defense. But how do you think the Saints are going to respond this week to the Rams and contain the run? Carolyn, I just think you know it, it sets up really well for the Rams. Obviously, they're trying to do this thing where they're running the ball. Todd Gurley, maybe he's a little bit healthier. C.J. Anderson, you got to give him credit, right? Came hmm. out of nowhere, and he's had three straight games with well over 100 yards. But when I think of the run game and shutting it down, I think the anchor still is Cam Jordan. Mm-hmm. And I think that means he's going to have to step up in just even more of a way and try to get it done. I think what they need to do is just get up early. If they get up early, then they're going to take the run game out of the head of Sean McVay, and he's going to want to throw and throw to catch up. So this 14-zip full of magic cannot happen with the Rams. I don't know if you've ever interviewed Cam Jordan or been around him, but he has the energy of a toddler. So if anyone can do it, it's him, because he has just the most wild and insane energy. I wish I had his energy. I do, I, and I agree with you, but he's also so nice, yes. right? Like, he'll come around and he's the nicest guy, but, like, don't get it twisted. He's the biggest threat on the field at any given moment. Like, you and the run game has been second best in the entire league all year pretty much, and it's really based around him and what he can do. So he might be nice and fun off the field, <laughs> but on the field he's a nightmare. Absolutely. He has his game face on. Well, focusing again on this Saints defense, you mentioned him last week, I believe, going against the Eagles. Uh, you said he was going to have a, a big game, but that's Eli Apple. Eli Apple only had his second game with the Saints the last time he matched up with the Rams. Um, so mm. how much have you seen his comfortability in his game develop since week nine? I think that last game is when you got uh, Cooper Cup was on the field still, so that's a difference too because he's not out there, but he got kind of burned by Cooper Cup and mm. a bit uh, sort of lost in the shuffle. But, I mean, I'm here in New York. I knew Eli Apple when he was here for a short period, and I feel like I've seen him grow down there. And I, To me, that's a testament to Sean Payton, what he's got going on. But I feel like last week, if you remember, in the fourth quarter, there was this play against uh, – it was Golden Tate he was up against. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I feel like the knock on Eli, at least here on the East Coast, is that he's not the most physical guy. But then you see him in that fourth quarter going up and making the most aggressive physical play possible against one of the most aggressive and tough wideouts in the league. So to me, I like seeing that in Eli, and I think he's definitely grown, uh, just grown as a player. Absolutely. Okay, on the other side of the ball, a huge factor going into this weekend is, of course, Michael Thomas. We can't, you know, go throughout this whole entire (laughs) podcast without talking about can't guard Mike because it's simply that you cannot guard him. He had last game last game against the Rams. He had 12 catches for 211 yards. So needless to say, if you're the Rams defense and he's on your scouting report, his name is circled and starred and you are focusing on him. But just how do you think the Rams are going to go about defending Michael Thomas this week? They had no answer for him last time. No team seems to. And, you know, it's a huge storyline right now going into Sunday's matchup because Marcus Peters and the gumbo and Sean Payton and all of that. Well, Marcus Peters didn't have a keep to leave on the field. and He won't have right. to move nearly as much with to leave back. And that, that secondary really is a different animal. 
uh, when both of those guys are roaming out there. So the Rams are going to look a little bit different. That said, so what does that mean? Michael Thomas doesn't have 211 yards. He has like 150. Right. Like, he, he, I'm, I just got to say, I'm so happy for him just as a player. When he got there to New Orleans, I feel like everybody was still talking about a lot of the other options and the rookies and the other guys. And I remember saying on Good Morning Football, I think this is the best raw talent wide receiver Drew Brees will ever throw the ball to. And I got a lot of grief for it. And it turns out a couple years later, I'm right. Well, he's just a stud and he might not put up 200 yards, but I wouldn't put it past him. Absolutely. Well, when you talk about Michael Thomas, you also have to look on the other side. Um, now that we have Ted Ginn, now that the Saints have Ted Ginn back, I mean, if you think uh, Aqib Talib is going to be on Michael Thomas now, does that put Mar- Marcus Peters on um, Ted Ginn? And how does that factor into the, the passing game for the Saints? Yeah, I wish I knew the game plan. Unfortunately, I don't. I did ask Bart Scott about it, and uh, he was on Good Morning Football the other day. And he said that if he was Sean McVay, he would not have Marcus Peters anywhere near <laughs> Michael Thomas, just because he's obviously an emotional player. He lets the, you know, the game get away from him. He doesn't want to see those penalties out there. So if it was up to Bart Scott, who obviously you know has played in the league for a very long time, a very reputable sort of mind in this way, it's, do not, it's just whatever you do, maybe put Tlaib and, and hang, have him hang out with Camp Guard Mike. Ted Ginn, though, is sort of what this offense is lacking at certain points of this season, right? It's not fair to expect Michael Thomas to do absolutely everything. And I've been so impressed week in, week out with what Drew Brees and this offense has been able to do without that true number two uh, when Ted Ginn's been out. And right when he came back, you saw that impact on the field, like immediately. Right. Well, okay, before I let you go, I want to address the Saints' uh, fourth down efficiency because they're second in the league in fourth down efficiency going against this Rams team who is tied for 22nd in fourth down defense. Do you think that's going to be a factor this weekend? I mean, I think we're going to see a large offensive game from both teams. Yeah, I'm not worried about, I mean, when you talk about fourth down, the first thing I think about, honestly, and I'm not just saying this because I love the Saints, it's because it's, it's the first thing I think of. I remember uh, there was a stat we used a little bit earlier this week. Since 2000, so a long time ago, the Saints have the second highest fourth down conversion rate of any team with 15 or more attempts. Hmm. So they've converted, think about that, like an insane, absurd 15 for 18. That's over 83%, right? That's right unbelievable so i think the odds are in their favor okay thank you so much for joining us and again if you are in the superdome please let us know we will be happy to see you and uh, we hope to see you there if not i will see you in atlanta of course here's what i think you got to get up fast on offense make them one-dimensional we've seen it before if mcveigh sort of gets in it and you know he's been passionate lately if he mm-hmm. gets caught up and tries to make a bit of a shootout happen and forgets about Gurley and C.J. Anderson, we're winning this game. Absolutely. Well, okay, another thing I have to say I'm looking forward to is how the Saints fans uh, respond to the Sean versus Sean thing. I'm excited for the signs that people are going to make from with this Sean versus Sean <laughs> thing, the creativity that these Saints fans come up with. I can't make, I just want it to be loud. I don't want anybody to hear. I don't want Sean McVay to get his message to Jared Goff. I like it. I like it. Well, you heard it here from the source, Kay Adams. Kay, thanks so much again for joining us today. Thanks, Caroline. Always great to hear from Kay Adams. Ashley, going on to the other side of the parking lot, the Pelicans play tonight against the Portland Trailblazers. We mentioned last week it's an emotional game. There's always going to be that emotional element, at least for the next few years, for the Pelicans. Uh, What are your thoughts going into tonight's game? You know, it's a hard place to play. Like I said last week, it's a hard place to play, and it hasn't gotten easier since we talked about this. Um, You know, I think – 
again, we talked about the dominance in the playoffs and not that it was a fluke, but that is just a really hard arena to play in. Mm-hmm. Like the, it's packed every night and the overall vibe is, the fans are, they are, they, you know, we talked earlier about saints fans being, um, an element in, in, on the game Sunday, but these Portland fans, they definitely influence the game. I remember we were up by like 10, 15 at one point last year in the playoffs. And they started like making a little bit of a run, but it wasn't that big of a run. Right. And all of a sudden their fans just like came out of nowhere. Like that me, you know, that meme where the the wrestler guy just rises oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's alive. <laughs> like that, that is exactly what their fan base is like. And I was like, they're still down 10, but they're, they're cheering like we're within two. So um, definitely going to be a tough place to play. You know, we talked about the Pelicans needing to do well on this road trip I think they I mean they have to get the W I Mm -hmm. mean it's just like there's no moral victories anymore you know you can talk about how great they played the Warriors and how close they played them and you know with Steph Curry just being Steph I I did he's literally not human Mm -hmm. like there's just something in his body that says cheat code today Mm -hmm. let's just cheat code um and so you can you can take and build off of that and that excitement over our team and how close we are to being to beating the uh, world champs. But I think at the end of the day, you still like there's just no more moral victories anymore. Like you have to get the W. So the Pelicans are going to have to come out tonight and find a way. Um, it's going to be a hard task, but they're going to have to find a way to keep it close to not let it get out of hand. And then when you put a 17 to 20 point lead on another team, you have to finish mm-hmm. like you can't not finish. And so, you know, that was a habit and uh, something we saw a lot with like last year's Pelicans team giving up, you know, these big leads. And I felt like at the beginning of the season with the Pelicans, they were really doing good jo- a good job of like finishing teams off mm-hmm. you know you look back at that Rockets game uh, to open the season I remember thinking we're up big at halftime but oh you know third quarter you, we got to keep it and then we just kind of kept the p- pedal to the metal and they never got back into it and I feel like the last couple you know weeks we've let teams back into it after we've kind of they're done they should be done put a fork in them and yet we're letting these teams back in so I really think you know you want to see some lockdown defense um you know, they played well against the Clippers, a Clippers team um, a couple days ago. So, in they, I mean, they played good defense as good as you could against Golden get- State. But, um, you know, so, like, obviously that is an improvement, but you're going to need to see production out of uh, Nikola Meritage like we saw on Wednesday against um, the Warriors. And, of course, you're going to need your guys like Drew and AD to step up. But um, I'm excited. I'm nervous. But um, we'll see what go- how it goes down tonight. Well, I think we saw a huge performance from the Pelicans in clutch time uh, against the Clippers when they defeated them in clutch time. And then, uh, of course, the game on Wednesday night was a little rough. It was definitely a shootout, 147 to 140. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, that's like an all-star game score right there. It was a record for threes. Right. Um, Um, Just an insane game. At least, you know, the the Warriors didn't put up 51 points in one quarter. So that's mm -hmm. good. Uh, But, again, the Pelicans are definitely going to need to play well tonight. They're coming – they're going against a Trailblazers team who they lost to in November, 132 to 119, but they were without AD and Alfred Payton. So, of course, those are two players who make this team a completely different team. I think, you know, if we can, if the Pelicans can somehow get the win tonight, which I believe they can, mm-hmm. if they can get the victory tonight and then win a Memphis on Monday, huge. Mm. That to leave this road trip three, three and one. two, three, three. 
three and two because we lost lost first team um so if they could leave three and two like that would be huge like we talked about last week i i said that this team needs to win three games on this road trip so they can't do it without winning tonight so we're gonna need them to win tonight absolutely well Let's talk more about this game tonight with Fox Sports New Orleans color commentator, color analyst, excuse me, David Wesley. We now welcome in David Wesley, who is on day seven of an 11 day road trip. David, how are you holding up over there? Barely, but you know what? It's, it's a part of what we do, and um, it's a long trip. Uh, could be two and one, but are one and two. Um, but I think uh, the team is playing uh, played well last night, even though they took a loss. Yeah, let's talk about last night's game. Uh, Pelicans fell to the Warriors, one hundred and forty-seven to one hundred and forty. When I say that score, it almost seems like I should be talking about the NBA All Star game because that's such a high-scoring uh, game, even for you know this day and age in the NBA. But kind of, what did you see last night in the games? Obviously, a lot of three pointers when you're dealing with the Warriors and with our team. But uh, what did you see out of the Pelicans? What are what were some good things from the Pelicans last night? Oh, one, um, you know, like you said, the three-pointers, they shot them well. Um, a lot of, uh, obviously, a lot of three-pointers set an NBA record for combined threes in a game. But the Pelicans hit 19 of 37, which is uh, outstanding. And uh, they played the Warriors well for such a long time in that game. But it came down to making plays once again down the stretch and – in this game, it came down to making plays down the stretch in the paint, uh, getting offensive rebounds. Um, the Warriors had 19 second chance points. They were six of nine shooting those, getting those 19 second chance points, which means that a lot of those were kickouts to threes, which they're they're backbreakers, and and you have to secure those those rebounds. You have to secure. Uh, the ball, and the Pelicans couldn't. Uh, and obviously, Steph Curry was phenomenal Curry. there in the third <laughs> quarter. But I, you know, I thought a lot of guys stepped up. I mean, you got four guys in the starting lineup in double figures. The only one, Alfred Payton, but he had 12 assists. And then you had Miritich, who found his stroke, which was amazing. Right, David, I, I hope you can kind of help me make sense of this because it seems like a theme throughout this Pelican season that the Pelicans recently have been making, have been playing to the level of their competition. And obviously it's a long season, uh, still a lot of games to be played, but why is it that this Pelicans team seems to play really well when they're playing against really good teams and then kind of they kind of sit back a little bit when it's the teams that they don't really play too well? Well, Carolina, that's the big head-scratcher um, with a lot of teams, and especially this team. Why can they play to that level? And uh, if they played to that level, they would have a much better record. And each and every night, it just seems like something else. So over the last several games, they've really taken care of the basketball, and they've played with a, a sense of urgency. And they, you know, last night they scored 30 nine in the first quarter which means they came out ready to play everybody's excited hyped up ready to go and then they may play a minnesota team that there's no doubt in my mind they should have won Mm -hmm. Uh, but again they 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 don't quite get it done and the fourth quarter has been 
the the big Achilles heel for this team where it's, it's you know, a lot of people call it winning time. And, and, and right now the Pelicans don't have that's something. It's a turnover. It's a missed rebound. It's, it's uh, you know, a missed wide open shot. And, uh, you know, at first my complaint was, you know, they don't, uh, they don't get the ball to AD. Well, now they're getting the ball to AD, and then they're finding other ways to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, some somebody's got to take the leadership. Somebody's got to got to get in there and and get in somebody's face and uh, find a way to say, you know what, enough of this because we're running out of time. We have to find a way to start winning games. And I think we've seen glimpses of that from Drew Holiday this year. We've seen glimpses of, glimpses of him being very aggressive when he's attacking the basket. What is it about Drew that we can't – I mean, like I said before, it's a very long season. It's hard to be aggressive like that for 82 games in a season. Um, and, of course, this is a very long road trip. But why are we only seeing glimpses of aggressive Drew? And that kind of leads me into another question. When do you develop as a player when you have games almost – every other night I mean there's not a lot of time for you to get in the gym and get shots up and develop and hone in on your skills but how do you kind of develop your game as a player in such a long season well I I think um you know first you know it is hard for one player to do that and you know that's that's why um you know you you have other players to to fill in those gaps Mm -hmm. and uh you know the bench production hasn't been consistent. Uh, the um, and players, you know, other than the top three that have been healthy for most of the season, are, are really the only ones. And and maybe I would probably throw in uh, Etwan Moore, even though he's been up and down lately. Um, you know that's why it's a team game. Uh, but I think the the big responsibility falls on, on AD. You know, when you're the franchise player, when you're paid that kind of money, you get all of the blame for the success of the team. And, and you know, we've seen nights where he didn't seem aggressive or, or aggressive enough, and and the Pelicans lose when he doesn't play aggressive. Well, lately he's been playing out of this world aggressive, and the team is still not winning, uh, again, because – Something about this team, the leadership, the, the the grit that it takes down the stretch to win games, they haven't figured it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's disappointing. But development in the game, that happens over the summer. Mm-hmm. That happens on days off when you can get in the gym and, and maybe get some shots up. Um, but you're not going to get practice time at this time of year. This, this, this era of basketball – Teams don't practice as much. They don't right. go up and down. They don't play as much five on five. Not as much contact. So, um, you know, there's 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 only the times that you have that one in the summer you develop uh, over the course of game as much as you know they play. You know, you you say okay, I like this. I don't like this. I'm gonna keep doing this. This works for me. You figure it out during the game, and then you get you know, some shots up when you can, you get some rhythm shots when you can. And, and, and that's, that's pretty much all you can do because it's such a long season. Right. 
Well, thank you for answering that. But let's get on to some positives because I feel like we've been all negative and I know you're tired. Uh, and so I'm supposed to bring the energy on this podcast. So we're going to focus on some of the positives. Uh, speaking, right. uh, starting with Nikola Miritich. So he had 29 points off the bench in 28 minutes last night, six of 10 from three point range. Um, kind of explain to me the impact he has when he's shooting so well for this team. Obviously, he spreads out the defense. So um, kind of elaborate on what he adds for this team. Well, yeah, he, he, he does create space on the floor. You know, if, if you can't sit in, in the paint and, you know, cheat towards Anthony Davis or Randall in the paint, uh, that gives them more room to operate. And then, of course, driving lanes are a little bit wider open. So you get your um, Alfred Payton and Drew Holidays. They can get to the paint, create, draw defenses, and then kick out to him. And if he's shooting it that well, that also opens up his game because now he can put it on the floor. He can get to the basket or create a shot for someone else. So it's it's a really big – it's really, really important for this team to have shooting out there and guys that can, can spread the floor. Now, if you can shoot the ball, obviously you're not going to shoot it um, 19 for 37 every night. Mm-hmm. But if, you, if the threat is there and people have to go out and guard you, then, you know, the help isn't going to be as quick. Guys are going to get to the paint, get to the basket. If the help is is uh, is late, then you make them pay. But um, if they can continue to get that production out of uh, out of Miritich, it's certainly going to help them continue to w- continue to get better, and hopefully that will turn into winning games. Speaking of winning games, hopefully we see one of those wins uh, tonight against the Trailblazers. The Pelicans played the Trailblazers November 1st. Pelicans lost 119 to 132, but Anthony Davis was out with his elbow sprain and Alfred, Alfred was out with a pinky. Um, and we saw Julius Randle step up, but he got in foul trouble. But if you're this Pelicans team going into tonight's game, your first step is containing uh, Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. What is the what is the first step to containing them on defense? Is it is it help side? Is it hedging on screens? What's the first step? Well, uh, first is guarding the ball. You, you have to be able to guard the ball. You have to be able to contain them and not let them get straight line drives to the basket. So that's first. And then the team has to be back in transition and has to be aware of their assignments, whatever the game plan is. Uh, the one thing they did in the playoffs so well is they were very few blown defensive assignments. Bigs were up. If they were trapping, they trapped aggressively with high hands. Uh, they were uh, aggressive in their switches. They were, they were talking. Everybody was on the same page, and that's what you need when you're guarding two guards that can, one, shoot it from anywhere on the floor, can create, can go off the dribble, can get to the paint, uh, can shoot the floater. These guys are tough, so it takes a team to to guard these guys, but it starts with individual defense and guys being locked in and up to the challenge. I want to shut this guy down. I want to slow him down. I want to do my best to make everything tough for these guys to get shots, and, and if they do that, they're going to have a much better chance to win. 
Ashley and I were talking about this a little earlier in the show, um, but from a player perspective, is there still an emotional element for this Pelicans and for the Trailblazers team going into this matchup? I mean, obviously you get swept um, by a team in the playoffs, you're going to feel some kind of way. So is there still kind of an emotional feel or is it new year, new team? Um, I think it's, I think it's hard to, to not, you know, remember that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I played a a playoff game and against the Milwaukee Bucks in the second round and, and lost to them in in the seven game series. And every year after that, you know, I, there was, there was something on that. There wasn't just another game. So, um, I, I certainly believe that the, the Trailblazers believe, uh, one, they can win, and two, they come with a little bit of extra when they're playing this team. So, um, and, and I think the Pelicans know that, and I think the Pelicans uh, try to match that and, and go at them the same way. But, you know, each year is a different year. Each year you add a player, take a player away. Uh, last year Randall wasn't on this playoff team, so – um, you know, it's a different team, but I think the feeling is still there because most of the players are still there. David, do you know your stats in the Moda Center? Uh, my my personal stats? Yeah, I my mean, Joel, yeah, Joel Myers knew oh, your no. stats in, in Oracle, so I didn't know if you knew your stats over there. No, I, you know, I think one of the – I think uh, the stat guy gave him those stats oh. uh, while we were sitting at the table um, – but the answer to your question is no. I have no idea. So, well, David, we uh, we hope for some good stats for the Pelicans tonight in the Motor Center against the Trailblazers. We look forward to seeing you tonight. Thank you. Have a good day. Well, that's all for today's show. Thanks again to Kay Adams and David Wesley for joining us. Big reminder tonight, the Pelicans play at the Portland Trailblazers in the Motor Center at 9.30 p.m. You can watch on Fox Sports New Orleans with your own Joel Myers, David Wesley, and Jen Hale, or you can watch the game on ESPN. And then the Pelicans will travel to Memphis on Monday night to play the Memphis Grizzlies at 4.30 p.m. Now that game will be on TNT, but you'll hear from Daniel Salerson before that game. This Sunday, Saints fans, we need you out there loud and proud. We need to get the Dome rocking early. Sean Payton said earlier this week that Saints fans needed to get louder earlier. We They appreciated the noise, of course, but if we can get the Dome rocking earlier right from kickoff, it would be largely appreciated. So Saints fans, you heard it there from Sean Payton. Get out there. Have some fun. Get loud early. Saints kick off at 2.05 p.m. Fans can watch on Fox. And if you're in the Superdome, we look forward to hearing you and seeing you. That's all for today's show. For the Black and Blue Report, for Ashley Amos and Caroline Gonzalez, have a great and hopefully winning weekend, everyone.